Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess. I'm a compulsive eater, a compulsive undereater, compulsive overeater, sideways, any way, lots of ways that don't fit into either of those categories. If there's a way to be compulsive around eating, I've probably done it. Um, you know, this was one of my regular meetings for a long time. And, um, you know, I find during this time that it's so wonderful how many meetings like you can dial into at any time, but there's something different about joining a meeting where you've been there in person. There's like that muscle memory of being in the room with all of you and so much, I haven't been to this meeting in a while and I'm just remembering how much like happened in that room for me. Um, and I mean that like for me. <laughs> um, and it was just such an important part of my recovery. You know, I came crawling into that room. Um, I came into that room so many times wiping the crumbs off my face, as they say. I was like depressed and desperate in that room. I was on the pink cloud of recovery in that room. I was defeated again in that room. I experienced miracles in that room. I was frustrated by how slowly everything was happening in that room and how non-linearly. You know, I was like sometimes just wide-eyed and like full of God and other times I was like cross, cross-armed and felt very cut off. You know, I went through the death of my brother from this disease in that room. I cried, I complained, I marveled, I celebrated, I obsessed. I mean, and all throughout it all, whatever state I was in, you know, I always felt welcome. And, and I was always really honest, you know, I could always be myself. And I think that deep honesty is something that, you know, I was looking for my whole life, although I didn't realize that. Um, and that's one of the things that both confused and hooked me right away about um, these rooms is just like in a room full of strangers, you know, I was sharing the most intimate things I didn't share with even the closest people in my life. And now I actually do share so much more of myself with so many more people um, outside of these rooms, but that's because of practicing it here and being met with love and acceptance. Um, and sometimes that love and acceptance in the beginning looked like, so what? You know, I'd be like, and I do this and I do this. And I would just be met with like, uh, uh-huh, and, you know, and that was love to me at the time. Um, it's exactly what I needed, you know, like people not running away horrified um, and saying, yeah, me too, you know, welcome to the club. Um, you know, I spent a lot of my life pretending everything was fine, putting on a front, putting on a polish, trying to be together, trying to convince myself by convincing other people that I had it all figured out to like not let my humanity show. I worked really hard at that. And one of the gifts that I've experienced from program is allowing myself to be human and vulnerable and messy and like deeply honest. Um, and, and letting myself be a work in progress. I think that's the thing that blows my mind about myself and about the impacts of program on me because it's crazy that I truly believe and accept that now that I'm, I'm a work in progress, you know? And that's perfect in its imperfection and it's exactly where I'm meant to be. And I'll be there until the day I die, you know? I will always be a work in progress. Like that's the reality of being a human. 
Um, because, you know, my first addiction was perfectionism for sure. Um, I was either perfect or worthless, except I could never achieve the perfect part, no matter what I did. So I was just worthless. Um, like I really could not win. And that part I'm still working on, you know, um, I just find, but now I have awareness and compassion and it's slowly softening, but I just left to my own devices. Like I can't win no matter what I do, I cannot win. And, you know, now I can laugh about it. Um, and, you know, so really I just was in, I've spent so much of my life, my whole life in just like self-hatred and self-flagellation. And that was compulsive. It's like compulsive self-flagellation. And, um, you know, I often feel like I can spend too much time talking about what it was like and kind of getting you know, getting into all the things in my childhood that resulted in my having an eating disorder. Um, and I, I want today to talk more about like what happened and what it's like now. And also I found that for me, like the reasons don't matter. That was one of the things I remember reading in the big book um, that just resonated with me and brought me so much peace, which was like, okay, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, like, it doesn't matter, here we are now. And the only thing that I will say, um, was incredibly helpful for me about looking in my past and in my childhood was just compassion. Like they gave me self-compassion to say like, oh, honey, like, of course, of course, this is exactly what happened. Like, of course, this is the coping mechanism you picked up, you know? And like, of course, you know, you needed it at the time, it kept you alive and like, you're okay, you know? Um, so basically, you know, it started, when I was 17 and um, for basically the next 19 years, I followed what I could see now is, I certainly didn't at the time, was a very predictable cycle that I was caught in. Started and it would start with controlling the food in some capacity. It didn't start originally with trying to eat less or be thin. I just, want, I just became obsessed with eating right. I'm using air quotes for those of you who are listening. Um, whatever that looked like at the time, that, that was always a moving target. Whatever was right out there, I would become obsessive about doing it right. Um, and that eventually would turn into being restrictive in some capacity. I'd do that for some period of time. When I was younger, I could do it for much longer periods of time. Um, and then I'd be binging my brains out, completely out of control. Um, and then that cycle would continue. And sometimes I'd go through periods of time of being restricted and then periods of time of binging. Sometimes it was just 24 hour cycle. Binge, wake up, restrict. Binge, wake up, restrict. Um, and I was just totally, when I was binging, you know, I was just demoralized and depressed and, you know, wanted to die. Um, and then I would do my real addiction, which is to fix it. So I'd, I'd, usually quote unquote, get rid of it by just trying to restrict the next day um, and eat less the next day to make up for it. But, you know, over the decades, I used laxatives, I used diet pills, I used diuretics, I used exercise sort of. Um, it wasn't like I was an ultra exerciser, but I used it, you know, in a very specific way. Um, you know, I would sweat in saunas, I would do all the things, you know, that don't actually really have like biological, you know, um, 
didn't make any sense, you know, but, but that just shows that I have an eating disorder. Um, but like my favorite again, quote unquote favorite was just the new diet, like some new thing that's going to work. This new way of eating is going to fix my eating problem and get me under control. And so my favorite place, the place I found myself a lot was binging while researching the new diet, like shoving my face, scrolling, figuring out what I was going to do to fix it. Um, you know, and that would look like cutting out food groups, like, or, you know, just there'd always be some boundary. Okay. Now this is going to fix my food problem. And I tried them all. Um, and then the cycle would continue. And as I said, you know, it is a progressive disease. I used to be able to restrict for periods of time. And like, I used to not eat all day. I would like do liquids all day. And then of course, binge that night. But now <laughs> as time went on, like, I couldn't, I couldn't restrict for five minutes, you know, the second that I, like I taught my body over the years, you know, that like, okay, when we restrict, like we're not going to get food. And so um, my body would just like right away go to the binging. Um, and like what became, what started as something sort of innocuous became very much not so. And I never vomited, um, but, but it was in program that I really, saw how my behavior was very bulimic um, in nature. And the really cuckoo crazy thing that like, I, I, you know, I could only admit in these rooms and I didn't see until the other behavior stopped in recovery was what I call my like mental bulimia, where this just really shows the level of my insanity. I would, um, so I would, if I would like binge on something, I'd calculate like how much extra quote unquote that was. And then I'd have to, I'd write it down and then I'd have to find a way to like make up for that, you know? So maybe like, oh, I'd have a little bit less of this food two days from then, check it off the list, right? It was gone. But beyond that, sometimes it wouldn't even be restricting. It would be like, you know, the other day I didn't really have like too much bread at lunch. So like, this was like, I had a little extra bread then. I mean, I share this just because, I mean, it was insane. It was not based in reality and it was completely compulsive and obsessive. And the amount of time that I spent doing that in my brain, it makes me sad. Um, and then I was really ashamed of it, you know, because I kind of knew it was crazy, you know, at that point. Um, and that's just like a gift of program that, you know, once the kind of gross behavior stopped, it's like a layers of an onion, you know, and then I could see like the next more subtle thing I did around food. And then I could see the next more subtle thing. And I, you just getting down to like the core um, of it. You know, all that is to say, I have done all the things with food that I remember being so ashamed of and then hearing other people say in these rooms, you know, I've eaten out of the trash, I've eaten frozen food, I've eaten spoiled food, I've eaten uncooked food, I've stolen food. Um, I've stolen food in situations where like, it wasn't going to be anybody but me. So even the shame of being caught for that couldn't stop me. Um, it was just completely overpowering. And I was, I was, I was truly, truly powerless. And you know, my weight was all over the place. Um, it swung by 50 pounds. And though the weight was the focus of my life, um, it turns out that was the least of my problems um, around this. 
And, you know, I tried everything to fix it. As I said, all the diets, um, I, you know, therapy and medication, so much self-will, mostly self-will, um, all the books, you know, trying to figure it out and fix it myself and a lot of denial, you know, for almost 20 years, I would not have said I had an eating disorder. And what I just told you, like I had an eating disorder, <laughs> but you know, for me, I was like, I was, I was like, what woman my age doesn't have some food issues. You know, I was never like sick enough. My weight was always in a relatively normal range. Um, and that made it, you know, I don't want to say worse, but the, the devastating part of that is I could be in denial for so long and ever, no one else around me knew. So no one intervened. And I, I it felt more shameful in a way because it was like this secret that I had. I looked normal on the outside. Um, and what I've since learned is like, you know, the only thing that matters is that I want, I, I want to be more free than that. So other people can do whatever they would like with food, but um, that's not helpful track for me to go down. So I came into the rooms almost five years ago, but it didn't stick. You know, I, I would come when I was desperate and then like things would get better. I, I would get it under control. And then, you know, and I kind of just like, I, I, I shopped for the perfect sponsor for like two years, you know, I just wasn't ready. Um, and then two years ago I came in and I haven't left um, and I committed and you know, my life is very different. I'm sure that I only see a fraction of it because as mentioned, that's my nature. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still recovering from the perfectionism and the never enoughness. So that of course, you know, it's like a lens through which I see my recovery. I keep like daily milestones. Like I, I it's like miracles I see progress, ways I see it working, things like I'm doing great around recovery and they do blow me away. And I, I keep people around me who help me see it. Um, and that's, that helps me. Um, but I am, I mean, I'm, I'm a different person in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I used to, I used to really obsess about what the right plan and the right abstinence was obsess. Um, and that, that part has been lifted. Um, and ironically, like by, by this program that I was trying to figure out, you know, um, I'm much less rigid and black and white. Um, I'm a lot nicer to myself, though those are also works in progress. Um, and as I said, like most importantly, I'm starting to just accept myself as I am. Like, I'm fine, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like I am not a constant problem to be solved. A lot of times when I get down to it, my only problem in the moment is that I think I, I am a problem. Um, and, and I get to see that there's just like always opportunity for growth still. Um, and you know, the same goes for the food and it, it's a mark of recovery that I start with what's different in my life. Like, it's not about the food. <laughs> it's not about the food and my, my eating isn't perfect. Um, my body isn't exactly as my eating disorder would like. Um, but I'm, I'm like shocked at how often and how genuinely like I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, I even love my body at times was not my experience throughout my entire life. Um, and when I'm not, when I do get caught sometimes in not like loving my body and loving myself exactly as I am, like I know that that's not my purpose here in life. Like I'm not here to have the perfect body. Um, and I can turn to what really matters, like what I'm here to do, which is to be of service, you know, to God, 
and my fellows and to be me, to be like fully and unapologetically me and perfectly imperfect. Um, so, you know, I, I see it as, I see it as a gift now, most of the time, <laughs> you know, that I have this disease because it, you know, it's like this, it's this path to self-awareness and spiritual growth and just like being a better person and a more loving person to myself. And most of the time I see it as a gift, like that I had something that made me so miserable and my life so unmanageable that like I had to look at it and I had to do this work. And I don't think that I'm broken or bad or wrong. Like all humans have their stuff and like, and I, I, I get to do this work because I was forced to, because I was given this disease. Um, and so, you know, I could spend a long time talking about how my life has improved due to doing this work and due to this program. But before I run out of time, I just want to briefly get to what happened, you know, what I've done, what I do, you know, cause I always wanted this part, but I wanted the roadmap. I was like, tell me exactly what you do. Let me do it just like you do. I'm going to get an A, I'm going to be fixed, you know? Um, and so if anyone is listening, who is looking for that, like, you're going to hate this because really like what I did was always kept coming back. That's it. Like, I just kept saying, I, I no longer say I got this. And I, when people would say, just keep coming back, I was like, that is I don't think I can curse on here, but um, that is not something I believe. <laughs> um, that's a load of, you know what? And, but that is honestly like the main thing that happened. Um, and honestly, that was my abstinence, um, you know, for a very long time. It was the only one that worked for me um, is I, I abstain from saying I got this. I abstain from leaving. And that's the only, I tried many, many abstinences. That's the only one that has worked for me. Um, and as soon as I quit the debating society about like, what's my abstinence? What's a perfect abstinence? That, that was what was helpful for me personally. Um, and that was a time that I've counted, you know, I, that's the birthday I counted. I remember the day that I surrendered and I was like, I don't got this. I definitely don't got this. And I will do what you tell me to do. Um, and, you know, surrender hasn't, it wasn't like a white light moment for me, you know, um, but I heard someone say in one of these rooms once, you can tell that I've surrendered it because there's claw marks all over it. You know, my surrender has been like in fits and starts, you know, slowly happening. Um, and yeah, it just didn't, it hasn't count, it hasn't worked for me to count anything else because the counting, the rigidity, the black and whiteness, the perfectionism, like those were my way into the disease, not, not the way out for me. So what I count are milestones. Like how many, how many places in my life today can I see this working? And like, can I see progress happening? Um, and what I love about these rooms is that like, you really, you can find what works for you and you can leave the rest. I mean, it took me a while to do that, but there's a lot of ways to work it. And at first that was very overwhelming for me. Cause as I said, I had to find the right way. And I try, I, I realized now I was trying to treat OA like another diet, you know, what's the way to fix me instead of doing the work to like connect with my higher power to surrender and like find what was right for me. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't know what surrender meant. I, st 
I know better now, but I, you know, I'm, that's also a work in progress, but like that again, is like my abstinence and my food plan in a lot of ways is like surrender. Um, I listen to my body. I listen to my higher power. I listen to good orderly direction. I don't listen to my eating disorder voice. I can tell the difference now. Um, I don't do things my old, very clear, ineffective way. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, I've been ready with surrender. I've been ready for what I've been ready for on a timeline I don't get to control. And so I surrender to that as well. Um, and in my last one minute, I will just share a couple of concrete things that I do. Um, meetings, I go to meetings for a long time. I went to meeting every day, like way past a 90 and 90. Um, sometimes when I go back, sometimes when I need, I go back to that. Um, and it's so easy right now. Uh, I call fellows again for a long time. I, I, I called three people every single day. Uh, I don't always do that anymore, but again, I can always go back to that. Like, I know that those things work if I need to lean on those again. Um, I got a sponsor, I took their advice. And I also learned along the way <laughs> after some fits and starts to not make them my higher power. Um, I work the steps. I, I, you know, the first time I, you know, I've done, I've done, I'm doing the fourth step for the third time now, as it turns out. And like, I can see it such a difference. The first time I rushed through them, I was like, was not feeling any of it. I was like, get it done, check it off the list, get fixed. And now, you know, I, I'm, easy does it, but do it. You know, I'm slowly, I'm, I'm finding balance, which I never used to have with anything in my life, balance and moderation. Um, I try and be of service. I used to call people to like get fixed. And now, you know, I, I will call just to ask how they are. Um, I pray, I meditate and I stay honest. And I think that would be like my suggestion of a topic for today. If it charms you is just honesty, like, what that means to you, how that's been a part of your recovery or anything else like you feel like you need to get honest about, um, that would be helpful for you. And for anyone listening, I'll just leave my phone number, which is 914-980-5928 and um, call me anytime. And thank you for inviting me to share.